what does Bubba Fett, the fictional Star Wars character, and this guy, Ravan, a real human, have in common? You know what? They're both hitmen. Ravan lives in southwestern India. In 2003, he was recruited by the RSS, a, a Hindu nationalist organization affiliated with India's ruling political party. His mission was to force other religions out of India in order to create a pure Hindu state. For his work, he was compensated with money, alcohol, drugs, and women. And it didn't take him very long before he became very efficient in both his violent attacks as well as bearing false witness so that those whom he violently assaulted would also get arrested. After each attack, his heart became more callous and cold towards those he assaulted. For example, in one particular village, his mission was to not only find the Christians in that village, but in particular to go after the pastors. So on this one mission, he sought out the pastor. He was actually traveling with his family on a motor scooter. He stopped the scooter, threw the pastor off the motor scooter, beat him senseless, breaking the pastor's leg all in front of the pastor's wife and child. However, Robin's indulgence for alcohol soon caught up to him because in 2012, he got in a terrible motorcycle accident. His facial wounds were so severe that his entire head had to be wrapped in bandages except for his eyes. To make matters worse, he had fallen out of favor with the RSS. Well, it was at this point that Ravin's mother, a Christian woman, invited him to go to church. Reluctant, Ravin went, though he promised to get up and leave if the pastor spoke against Hinduism or tried to convert him. However, God's will is stronger than Ravin's. For doing that during that service, through the preaching of the Word of God, God made Ravin, Ravin spiritually alive. That morning, he heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he responded in faith and repentance. And since that moment in 2012, Ravin has since married a Christian woman, and they moved to a nearby village in order to start a church. He wants to see many in India come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But as you can imagine, his former associates with the RSS did not take the news well that he had converted to the very religions they were hoping to get rid of in India, Christianity. So they went on the attack. About six months after Ravan started his church, they used some of their old methods 
of bearing false witness, and they had Robin framed for a robbery. And what he had to pay was an exorbitant amount that they didn't have any money for. However, they were able to get the charges brought down a little bit, and Robin had, well, Robin's wife rather had to sell all her jewelry to pay off the find. To this day, the RSS is still active in making Robin suffer. When he rents a home, get a load of this, the RSS threatens the owner, and out of fear, they kick Robin and his family out. So, so, so imagine, you, you, you move to this village to start a church, but no one will let you live there out of fear of the RSS that they're going to harm you, the one who's renting the home. You'd be treated like a leper. And that's exactly how he is. So this means he's unable to rent a home in the village where he pastors a church. He has to ride his motorcycle and walk some 40 miles to minister in his church. Furthermore, the RSS has given Hindu radicals Ravin's phone number and his home address, which is outside of the village. He daily receives death threats and is frequently physically persecuted for his faith. In fact, the persecution has gotten so intense in the village where he started a church that three other pastors have left, but not Ravin. You see, Ravin hopes to lead at least one family to saving faith in Jesus Christ in each of the 60 smaller villages in the surrounding area. Here's a picture of him praying over one of those smaller villages. When asked why he would live under the constant threat of death and suffer daily, you know how he responded? Robin replied with this. He said, God gave me a new life. So it doesn't matter even if I die. I have an immense burden to somehow share the gospel with others. Every year, the first two Sundays of November are set aside as the International Days of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. According to the International Human Rights Society, over 80% of all religious persecution is against Christians, making Christianity the most persecuted religion in the world. From Nigeria to India to Afghanistan to North Korea, Christian persecution is on the rise the world over. Today, more than 360 million Christians live in places where they face, please hear me, high levels of persecution. This is one in seven Christians worldwide. And to give you a perspective of what this persecution is like, Open Doors Ministry reports that on average last year, every day, 
at least 16 Christians were killed. 17 Christians were arrested. And 10 Christians were abducted. This happened on average every day last year. Furthermore, last year, more than 200,000 Christians had to leave their homes or go into hiding because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Additionally, more than 5,000 churches and other Christian buildings have been attacked or destroyed. All this to say, Christians are the most persecuted group of people on the planet. And this should not surprise us. Do you know why? It's because we are promised as much in Scripture. Friend, I don't know what kind of life you expect to have as a Christian, but the clear teaching of Scripture is that you will, not might, you will suffer and be persecuted for your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you call yourself a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you live in obedience to Christ, Scripture promises that you will be persecuted. Consider these words from the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy. Listen to what he says. He says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you know who that is? That's you. That's me. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Or consider what the Apostle Peter writes. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you also may rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. Or consider these words from Jesus Himself in John 15. He says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Do you know what this verse is, Christian? It's a promise. It's a promise of persecution. The Bible clearly teaches that the road to the celestial city goes through a cross. We follow a suffering Savior. And Christian, as you live out your faith in obedience to Christ's commands, in obedience to our triune God, you are not going to receive hugs and high fives from a world that is hostile to our God. Look, there was no one more Christ-like than Jesus, and the world killed Him. And what we need to understand is that it's not just belief that causes persecution. Faith Community Church, please hear me. It's so important that we understand this. It's not just belief 
that causes persecution. No, it's obedience. Christians experience persecutions for obeying the commands of their Savior. You see, friend, and, and by the way, Christian, I hope this is not news to you. Jesus goes out of his way. The New Testament authors go out of the way. Please hear me. There is a cost to following Jesus. There is a cost in walking in obedience to his commands. And that cost is persecution. Like I said, Jesus actually goes out of his way to make this truth known. Consider what he teaches in Luke 9, or Luke 15, or 14 rather. Following Jesus is costly. Oh, but there's more to the story. Though it is costly to follow Jesus, Christian, please hear me, there is a greater reward. Consider what we learn from this exchange between Peter and Jesus in Mark 10. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, you could. We're just going to look at a couple of verses here. Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 30. Hear now this exchange between Peter and Jesus. Peter is, is picking up on this notion that there's a cost to following Jesus. So notice what he says. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus, we've given up everything. Yes, you have. But there's something that you receive now and forever that's greater. Some of you might know this, that in January of 1962, a young band scheduled an audition with Decca Records with the hope of landing a record deal. After the audition, Decca Records rejected the young band, saying, look, quote, guitar groups are on the way out, and that this band, quote, had no future in show business. You know who the band was? The Beatles. The Beatles went on and eventually signed with another record label and became the world's most famous band. Now think about this for a moment. Decca Records was presented with an incredible investment opportunity, weren't they? For a small amount, they could have signed the Beatles to their label. Think of the return on that investment. It would, listen to me, 
it would far have surpassed the simple costs of signing them. Notice in this passage, Jesus presents an incredible investment opportunity. And like any serious investment, friend, please hear me, it involves a cost. Indeed, it involves a great cost. But that cost does not compare to what you receive. Because you know what Jesus teaches in this text? He teaches this life-giving truth. And I need to tell you, Faith, I've been praying for us this week that we would believe it. And here's the truth he teaches, and that is the rewards for following Jesus far surpass the costs. Will it cost you everything to follow Jesus? Yes. But that pales in comparison to the rewards we receive when we follow our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Faith Community Church, the rewards, the rewards for following Jesus far surpass the costs. What you give up for Jesus, what you forsake, it does not compare to what He gives back. Friend, please hear me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is costly for everyone. The gospel makes us see ourselves in a painful new light, does it not? Jesus teaches that we're not just a little bit sinners or a little bit flawed here and there. No, Jesus teaches that we are fundamentally sinful at heart. We are sinners by nature and by choice. Yet though we are sinners rightfully deserving God's wrath, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ died to forgive us of our sins. On the cross, he absorbed the punishment we were owed for our sins. As Basil prayed earlier today, Jesus lived the perfect life we failed to live. He died the death we deserved to die. And then he rose triumphant from the grave, proving that he was who he claimed to be, God's son, and to save all who would trust in him. And friend, Jesus calls all people to turn from their sin and to trust in Him. All people, including you right now. Some of you right now, this might be new to you, new to your ears. And if you can hear my voice, God, through His Word, is telling you to turn from your sin, to trust Jesus, and to follow Him. Indeed, Jesus calls us to give up everything to follow Him. I mean, just a few chapters earlier in Mark 8, you know what Jesus does? He calls a crowd to Himself. He says, everyone, gather around. And then He says this. He says, if anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. To follow Jesus is costly. And notice that's the very issue Peter raises in verse 28, isn't it? I mean, look at what Peter says to him. The top line there. He says to Jesus, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. And notice, Jesus doesn't disagree with him. He's like, you're right. No, Jesus recognizes that, look at me, there are going to be things, people, relationships, desires that we must leave 
if we're going to follow Jesus. But notice how Jesus responds. Notice the promise here. Jesus says, however much we leave behind to follow him. Listen, we're never out of pocket. We never receive a bad deal. Why? Because look what he says in verse 29. He says, for truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake in the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Jesus says that those who follow him will receive a hundredfold compared to what they gave up. Now, that's a great investment deal. The rewards for following Jesus far surpass the cost. And what are the rewards? Well, he tells us there in verse 30, doesn't he? You know what it is? It's a new family. The family of God, where God is our Father, and we are brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of Him. I don't know if you notice this. I find it really interesting Notice, the main cost that Jesus anticipates for following him is relational. Did you catch that? The main cost he he perceived is going to be relational. And as our persecuted brothers and sisters testify, that is the main cost. Indeed, some of you can testify as well. So notice the main blessing Jesus bestows upon those who follow him is relational. We get the family of God. And you know what, Christian, please hear me. It is a great blessing. What a gift this church is to me and my family. As I look out, you know what I see? I see brothers and sisters. I see mothers and fathers. I see children who are all now together. We are part of the family of God. Friend, I can testify that Jesus' words are true. And notice, through this new family, we have the enjoyment of houses and lands of which other followers of Christ are stewards. But the rewards don't stop there. For what does Jesus say at the end of verse 30, the last line there? What's the reward? Look at what he says there. And in the age to come, what's the last two words? Say it with me. Eternal life. Eternal life with God. Not, what's the best vacation you've ever had? Did it last a week? A month? Two months? Have any of you had a great vacation that lasted three months, right? Do you ever have a vacation you can't wait to get back from your vacation? Right, you know what I'm saying? Like, you've had, okay. Don't misunderstand me. The greatest thing about heaven, it's not like it's a vacation, but the greatest thing about heaven is we're going to be with God. And as Ephesians has taught us, we will be the recipients of his unending grace and blessings for all eternity. Amen? This reward far surpassed the cost of forsaking a relationship, of forsaking sin, of saying something hard 
to a Christian brother or sister, or speaking the truth in love to a lost loved one. And friend, this is the very truth that fuels people like Robin to minister under intense persecution. Indeed, as he said, the reward of eternal life with God is what gives our persecuted brothers and sisters courage to be obedient to God's commands. Because remember, the persecution comes as we're obedient. It's so easy to say, I believe it, and to sit down and not obey. I mean, as a child myself, growing up, I would have told you I'm a very obedient child. I knew the commands of my father. My parents might have a different take on me. Our father wants us to obey. Faith, people like Robin, they are our siblings in Christ. We are all part of the family of God. And you know how we can be a blessing to them? By praying for them. Specifically by praying that God would strengthen them to obey all that God has called them to do. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to pray that God would strengthen our persecuted brothers and sisters in three focused areas. Right? The headline is, the testimony from our brothers and sisters is the rewards for following Jesus far surpass the cost. I pray that we would believe it and they would live in light of it. So we're going to focus on three specific areas to pray for our Christian brothers and sisters. Um, and the first is that they would be strengthened to share the gospel. Uh, every year, Open Doors Ministries publishes a document called the World Watch List. And through extensive research and analysis, the document ranks the top 50 countries where persecution of Christians is most severe. And if you want more information on this, I'd invite you to visit this website, opendoorusa.org. We can find more about it. So you can get more of a feel for all that's going on in the world in regards to persecution. But what I want us to do now is to group up with three or four other people. Um, you, don't, you don't have to rearrange the chairs. If you want to, you can maybe just uh, lean over the back. But group, group in groups of three or four uh, where we can pray out loud for the persecuted church. And please hear me, okay, this disclaimer. If you don't feel comfortable praying out loud in a group, that's perfectly fine, you don't have to. But our goal is not to make people feel uncomfortable. No, our goal is to intercede for our Christian brothers and sisters, Right? So what I invite you to do is, is to gather into groups of three or four, either in your row or behind the word, and pray for our Christian brothers and sisters that God would strengthen them to share the gospel. That as we go before our, our triune God, our great God, we would intercede on their behalf that they would be faithful in their task to share the gospel. Let's pray for a few moments and I'll, I'll close this in a moment. Father, we do uh, lift up our brothers and sisters around the world. Lord, I, I also want to just in particular pray for, for Robin. Lord, I pray that you would grant him success 
in his desire to see um, families in each of the surrounding 60 villages come to saving faith. Lord, would you do a great work in that part of India where people would see their sin and put their trust in Christ. Lord, you can do it, and so we ask you to bring about great fruit, Lord. May there be a great harvest in India and in all the surrounding areas where Christians are persecuted as our persecuted brothers and sisters are faithful to pray and to share Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, do you know what the average cost of a dozen eggs was this time last year? Does anyone have a, have a guess? Anyone? Two bucks. I see two. I see two. Lower. It was. It was actually. It was a dollar fifty-nine. You know what the average is today? Three forty. Three forty. According to a recent report by the Information Resources Incorporated, the price the price of ice cream. Sports drinks, crackers, and breakfast meats all skyrocketed over 50% from October last year to October of this year. The biggest jump in food prices were bottled water, 48%, eggs, 46%, citrus fruit, butter, and margin, 26%, lunch meats, 23%, and bread. Anyone else feeling the strain of inflation? Yes, amen. I see that hand. It's tough. Right? But now, but imagine paying more for groceries, not because of inflation, but simply because you're a Christian. Such is the case for Elijah and his family. In 2017, Elijah and his family moved to Gashua in Yobi State, Nigeria in order to pastor a church. Listen to this. Temperatures hover around 120 degrees. Clouds of mosquitoes, mosquitoes hang in the air. The drinking water carries various diseases and a powdery dust causes chronic eye and respiratory problems. If that weren't enough, enough, Yobi State is also ravaged by ongoing violence from local Islamist groups. Indeed, the area where he lives is 99% Muslim, and many people are hostile to Christians. For example, market vendors shamelessly charge Elijah and his family double what they charge others simply because they are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Imagine that just for a moment. You go to Kroger, you scan your Kroger card, you go to checkout, and the price doubles simply because you profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. However, while Elijah and his family fully expect to suffer persecution, his family's greatest challenges actually come from the terrible natural environment of that area. They struggle with malaria, typhoid, kidney problems, all because of the poor water. 
Both Elijah and his wife have chronic eye problems that are caused by the pervasive dust. And because of the desert heat and the unreliability of electricity, it's difficult to keep medication at the required temperature. But this is where God wants him to minister in this area. Hear how Elijah thinks about these difficult conditions. He says this. He says, before you can get treatment for malaria, another mosquito bites you. It makes it difficult to be healthy. And then he says this. But we thank God that we are still alive today. How thankful are you, Christian? You know, the sad reality is Elijah is not alone. Many of our persecuted brothers and sisters are not only suffering at the hands of their persecutors, but they're also suffering due to the harsh and difficult living environments. Therefore, it's very appropriate that we pray for them. Indeed, we ought to pray that they would persevere amidst such harsh living conditions. So that's what we're going to do next. This is the second area we're going to pray for our Christian brothers and sisters. Let us pray that God would sustain them. That in whatever hard or difficult situations God has allowed to, to come in their life, that they would find contentment and joy in the Lord. So let's gather once again and pray. Lord, we, we do uh, pray for our Christian brothers and sisters who are uh, in hard, difficult living conditions. And God, as, as I prayed earlier in my group, Lord, I do confess um, that, and I thank you, Lord, to bring to mind and to chastise me for an idol of comfort. Lord, I know that I value comfort more than I ought and here we have our brothers and sisters who are willfully, willingly surrender any comfort to obey you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would sustain them and encourage them, provide the means necessary for their health so that they could continue the task that you have called them to. And Lord, even as, as Stephanie mentioned in our, in our group, Lord, we also want to pray for our missionaries. I think of, as was mentioned, Nate Kidder, who... Because he's in Ethiopia, he suffers allergies and or, I'm sorry, asthma. Lord, I pray for him and others who, in obedience to you, are enduring difficult conditions. Lord, sustain them and give them strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> the, the World Series just concluded not too long ago, and I don't know if there are any other uh, baseball players here, but if you've played baseball, have, have any of you ever been hit by a pitch before while playing baseball? Have you? Okay. Uh, in, in my illustrative career, uh, I have been hit by a pitch a couple of times. Uh, and you know what? It hurts. <laughs> it will often leave, leave a bruise. But you know what? even though it hurts, you know, you know what getting hit by a baseball doesn't do? It doesn't cut open or slice open your skin. You know why? Because cause the baseball, it's round. It's got stitches, but it's, it doesn't have jagged edges. Unlike a rock, per se. Where a rock, if you get hit by a rock, it won't only leave a bruise, but because of the, the edges, 
It could cut you open. Part of the persecution that Elijah and his family experience is having the children who help, help out at the local mosques there throw stones at them and call them names. Now imagine for a moment stepping outside your front door to go on a walk and you're greeted by youths, you're greeted by children who are cursing you and aren't throwing baseballs at you, but as hard as they can, they're throwing rocks at you. What would you do? How would you respond? You know what Elijah did? When he would go out about his daily activities in the village there, knowing that he was undoubtedly going to be encountered by these kids throwing rocks and hurling insults. You know what he started doing? He started carrying cookies with him to give to the children who would attack him. Not only that, he would also visit the neighborhood mosques where they worked and he would give them gifts. He, he would love these children who were so filled with hatred towards them. And you know what those same kids do to him now? They protect and guard his home while he's gone. You see, as I mentioned, Elijah receives constant threats. Not only that, his church has been burglarized twice. The second time they actually caught the guy. And when they did, and when Elijah was confronted with him, you know how he responded? He, he actually he said this. He said, I have forgiven him. He says, I've forgiven all those who have persecuted me. And listen to what he says. Why? Because God teaches us to forgive. I, I don't know about you, but you know what I love about that statement is I love the simplicity of it. Elijah's like, God teaches me, he commands me to forgive, so I forgive. If married couples would understand this, Christian counselors and biblical counselors would be out of jobs. God teaches and commands it, so I do it. The final thing that we're going to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters is that they would forgive their offenders. They would forgive those who repeatedly sin against them. And, and this, is, this is what we, we have to understand. And this is why it's so helpful that we have a global perspective of what God is doing around the world. No matter what atrocities we might label the, the things that people do to us, the Bible has one bucket term for it, and it's sin. And the Bible is clear as to what we're to do when we are sinned against. As those who have been forgiven much in Christ, how are we to respond when we are sinned against? We're to forgive. We're to forgive our offenders. And so what I want us to do now is to pray that God would strengthen, as He strengthened people like Elijah and others, to forgive those who have harmed them.
So let's once more go back to pray, and then I'll, I'll close this up in a moment. Lord, um, we rejoice in the fact that in Christ we stand forgiven before you. Lord, that is the greatest news imaginable. That because Christ was crucified and raised, Lord, through faith in him, our sins are washed away, forgiven, and through the work of Christ, we are declared righteous in your sight. Lord, we praise you for this good, life-giving news of the gospel. Lord, I pray for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world, Lord, that when they are offended, they would, when they are sinned against, they would drink from this well and they would freely forgive those who sin against them, often multiple times a day. And God, would you use their forgiveness as a means to lead their persecutors and offenders to saving faith in Christ. Lord, may you use their testimony for the advancement of your kingdom in some of the most hostile parts of the world where you again would raise people to new life in Jesus. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> So this morning we've had the honor and the privilege of praying for the persecuted church. But I, I want us to do one more thing. I want us to pray once more. However, it's not for praying for Christians overseas. No, I want us to pray for each other in these three areas. Christian, when was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? When was the last time you were obedient to this command? Christian, how did you respond to the Lord and the hard circumstances God has allowed to take place in your life, even just this past week? When was the last time you gave thanks to God for His sustaining grace? Christian, are you quick to forgive those who have sinned against you? Or do you hold grudges and give way to bitterness? Do you justify sinning in response? I'll confess to you, I need God to help strengthen me to do these things. And my guess is I'm not alone. We too need God's help to obey God's commands, to share the gospel, suffer well, and forgive our offenders. So, so before I invite the music team to come up to close us in song, I want to encourage us as a church to once more come together and pray. And pray that God would strengthen us to share the gospel, to persevere through suffering, and to forgive our offenders, whether that might be a neighbor or someone living in your own home. That we would demonstrate 
that we're following the Lord Jesus Christ by obeying His good word in these regards. So let's go to the Lord one more time, this time praying for ourselves individuals and for us as a church corporately. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray for us as a church, Lord, that um, we would be a church that first recognizes we're made up exclusively of sinners. There's not, there's not one of us who has not fallen short and who is in the process of fighting and dwelling sin. Lord, help us to recognize that we rub shoulders with sinners and Lord, help us to be a church that is quick to forgive. Lord, may we not hold grudges against each other. Lord, instead, may we freely forgive and give others the benefit of the doubt. Count others as more significant and take them at, at their word. Lord, may we be a church that really models the truth that we've been forgiven much in Christ. Lord, I know that there are many in our church that are suffering for various ways. Lord, I pray that in your kindness you would set before them the truth that you are indeed doing all things, even these hard things, these sufferings, for our good in your glory. Lord, that you're creating in us Christ-likeness, if we would yield to that. So Lord, help us to suffer well. And Lord, I do pray that it would not be odd that we share the gospel with someone. That that would not be like a uh, a rare occasion every month. Lord, but that would be part of the daily and weekly rhythm of our lives. Lord, our Christian brothers and sisters are sharing the gospel with people who they know hate them and will un and most likely hit them or beat them. Yet they still do it because they know your commands are good and you can save Saul. You can save people like Robin. Lord, you've saved us. And we need to be faithful to your command to share the good news of Christ to others. So Lord, may we be a church that is faithful to that. All for your glory and our good. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.